0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Ruth Ezell. A lot of money has gone missing at local colleges and universities lately. A former administrator at Washington University was indicted for allegedly embezzling $300,000. A former University of Missouri employee admitted to stealing $781,000. And just a few weeks ago, an employee of St. Louis Community College was accused of embezzling $5.4 million. Another recent case involving a former academic administrator at Webster University got the Riverfront Times' Doyle Murphy asking a question that's at the heart of the justice system every day. That is... What constitutes just punishment? Doyle's latest feature for the RFT digs into this question and many more. He juxtaposes Deborah Pierce's sentence, which involved having to pay back the $375,000 she stole from Webster and writing in a journal for 60 days, with the sentences handed down in other specific crime cases in the region, which often involve prison time. Doyle Murphy, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Um, first, what piqued your interest specifically about the Deborah Pierce case, the former Webster administrator? I mean, I've,
1: you sit in enough courtrooms and you watch enough of these sentences, and uh, and or you just hear about the uh, the different punishments that come out. And this one, I mean, for that amount of money, for a crime that was a you know one that you're. You have to take some steps to do. Like you have to intend to do this. Um, you know, then then get kind of basically like a homework assignment and paying the money back, which is no small amount of money, obviously. Um, it just those are the, those are the kind of cases that stand out, I guess, when you kind of see this conveyor belt of, of sentences coming through.
0: So the way your article is structured, you go, you take a deep dive into Deborah Pierce, and then you have a series of capsules of, of several other cases, what the people did, how they got sentenced, how old they are. I'm just wondering why you took that approach to the article.
1: Actually, the original idea is that we would just look at these capsules. We would just present just a lot of different cases for people to look at and see, you know, this case was handled this way, this case was handled that way, because... So much just kind of hinges on where this case gets picked up, who's looking at it that day, maybe kind of prevailing attitudes at the time, and it, those kind of those kind of variables can really make you know a difference in years in people's lives, or you know can really send them off on one direction or another. So I think it's it's just always interesting to to see like this this like larger question of that we've been like grappling with for. I mean, basically forever, of like, what do you do when somebody breaks your rules? What do you, What's punishment then? How do you uh, How do you make this right?
0: Well, of course, in August, um, former county executive, St. Louis County Executive, Steve Stanger, is going to be sentenced. So this topic is on a lot of people's minds right now. Um, any similarities that you notice between the Stanger case, even though he hasn't received that official sentence yet, mm-hmm. see any similarities between his case in Deborah Pierce's case, and the way they've been handled.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, his was such like a kind of a whirlwind in terms of, you know, he gets indicted on Monday and pleads guilty on Friday. Um, But, I mean, you're looking at white-collar crime um, and people that, like, don't, you know, they're not typically what you think of as, like, oh, this person's, you know, a dangerous person, or this person's going to be... um, Hey, so for for whatever it's worth it, like you don't think of it as your typical criminal because they've lived this life where they haven't, you know, for years, for decades, they've not been convicted of any crimes and no any pattern of it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, they were committing large crimes. <laughs> they were, you know, they were uh, stealing all this money right under people's noses. Um, but, you know, when it comes to sentencing, Deborah Pierce had tons of people who were willing to speak out for her and to write these, you know, glowing letters for her, and you know she, you could make kind of a um, sympathetic case for her. She's taking care of her mother, who's been been sick and everything. So. The,
0: yeah, but she was probably doing it with school money too. Seems possibly. like possibly,
1: yeah. Um, so I mean, but you can do that kind of in any case. So it, you you look at something like this and. Um, and somebody said, "Oh, you know, she made a mistake or something." And It's like, no, it's not like it someone that a was spontaneous like a mistake. no. It's not <laughs> someone that's like walking through and sees like an opportunity to like smash a car window or something and and take a lot of money or a purse or something like that. Somebody that has you know that did set up a fake set up a bank account that nobody knew about and like diverted this money over years. I mean, Stenger arguably took even like many more steps. To uh, make this happen, um, was in a you know a higher position of trust probably than Deborah Pierce, um, and is facing you know I think the guidelines are work out to about three to five years for him. So it'll be really interesting to see how uh, how they handle his his uh, sentence.
0: Yeah, a lot of eyes will be on that one. Now you write in your article too about a lot of younger offenders who almost always get sent to prison for, as you say, some things that are just done spontaneously. And you, and you have a quote, uh, often those bad decisions are made by men so young, their brains are still developing, end quote. And when you think about that, they go to jail, their brains are still developing, and they could conceivably come out worse than when they went in. And and how has society benefited from that?
1: Right. I mean, I don't think you want prison exactly to be your training ground for a lot of young people. I mean, it's there. There's been progress on rehabilitation programs. If so there's maybe some more options available here and there, but overall, I mean, I don't think anybody that looks at, at the criminal justice system seriously thinks that like this is a good place for people to learn and develop habits and grow. Um, you know, it's. It's a bad place.
0: Looking at those capsules, it did one thing that did strike me, although you can't draw exact parallels to any of them, who you know and what lawyers you can get a hold of do seem to play a role. I mean, it seems like the ability to use your connections and get like high profile attorneys, like the ones that Steve Stanger had represent them, makes the difference.
1: Right. I mean, it's one thing you, you know, I was at a uh, Sheila Sweeney, um, her plea last week, I guess it was last week. Um, and you know, she comes in with four attorneys. She's another person that was charged in the, in Stinger's pay to play, uh, corruption scandal. Um, you know, you don't see, you know, a 20 year old that's charged in a robbery or something. You don't see them come in with four attorneys or, you know, the have been working on their case you know around the clock you know and there are some very good attorneys that come out of you know the public defender's office but you know the caseload is you know exorbitant that's you you just can't give the amount of time that you would that a private attorney can in a lot of cases.
0: Has this prompted conversations um for you with people in the system with prosecutors with judges what kind of feedback I mean I'm have you gotten just talking about the way the system is set up?
1: It's kind of conversations I've had over the years for a long time with people about how you make these decisions. How you know a lot of power is with prosecutors in what they're going to recommend. Sometimes those recommendations are in concert with the, uh, you know, the defense attorneys that they've worked out some kind of agreement. Sometimes they come on at wildly different uh, ends of the scale. Um, but it, I, I think judges do listen to a lot of this. Not, in, you know, judges have discretion uh, in cases where there's not set minimums and stuff. But um, but I think there there are a lot of these different uh, different players who can really influence what uh, you know what happens to someone, and they've got to run through a whole lot of scenarios, or you would hope that they're they're running through a lot of. Factors and weighing these out seriously um, each time that they're in that position to to, uh, to uh, really affect someone's life.
0: Of those capsules that you wrote down, are there one or two that really jumped out at you?
1: Some of them there are, are cases that I've that I followed specifically that you know um, like Ray Hernandez. Uh, it's, he ends up with two life sentences, which that was once he uh once he was found guilty that was and, done and what he were was those he uh to murder it was it was a double homicide um and i had written extensively about that case um and it's it's not i guess it's not so much the sentence that he received i mean but it was in, it's interesting to go to a go to a case where you know that that's already set that you know, the, all the action happens in the uh, in the conviction, and once that's done, then it's like, you know, I, I went to the uh, the sentencing, but it was pretty much pro forma at that point.
0: Well, there was one I particularly wanted to hear the backstory about a young lady. She was nineteen, I think, at the time, and somehow she was uh, the main suspect with a stolen car. She crossed state lines uh, from Illinois to Missouri and got picked up and so I'm looking at this sentence, it was fairly light, and I couldn't help but wonder if th- this young white female had been a black male, would the sentence have been the same?
1: Yeah, I mean, and it's a fair question a lot of these, I mean, because, you know, it's no real surprise that, that if you look at numbers, like a, a young black male typically does far worse in our criminal justice system than, say, like a young female. Um, and even in a in Deborah Pierce's case, her attorney, part of his argument was that 40% of uh, women who are convicted of fraud, a similar crime, don't do any prison time, which is, it's an interesting distinction, right? It is interesting. You know, like, why should it matter? Why, that, why
0: should the gender matter? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank Doyle Murphy of the Riverfront Times for joining us. We appreciate your time, and I would be interested to see some follow-up stories, too.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.